Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And today, Christy, I learned something about you that even after 20 years of friendship was brand new information. I know. And in telling this story, I learned something new too. And it made me cry. Well, (laughs) get comfy. Here we go. Let's start with something new. I'm calling it Letters from Listeners. Oh, that sounds very cute. I know. It's much more fun than like reviews or a direct message someone sent me on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I got this lovely letter in my electronic (laughs) mail that made me so happy (laughs) to share. Um, But it was so encouraging because we've kicked off season four of the podcast. It's really fun hearing back from you guys, our listeners, what you're enjoying. And we got this great note that says, good morning. Well done on the podcast today. I laughed aloud with the bus story. So that's about Mm. two episodes back. I told a apocalyptic story about the school bus route. Um, And then she says, and I'm so sorry, and I'm sorry to hear that she says this. She says, I'm on day seven of COVID, a breakthrough case. I'm quarantined in my bedroom. So I appreciate you ladies very much. And it means a lot to know we're keeping you company. So we sure hope she's feeling better by now. But when you send us letters, whether they are digital or left as a review, we really enjoy getting them. That's right. And please do leave those reviews because that helps others find the podcast. And uh, season four is just getting underway. So it's a great time to welcome in some new listeners. New friends. Yes. I'm not going to compare it to a chain letter thing. Remember chain mail like back in the day when I don't even, I don't feel like that was the thing I was part of, but I hear people that Uh, talk about it in America a lot. I feel like maybe that was an American thing. Yes. So this is not chain mail. This is much better. Much better. Yes. This this is letters from listeners. So when you send them to us, we do enjoy reading them and sometimes sharing them here on the show. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Lisa Jo, I feel like in last week's episode, um, so there's a thing I think in journalism called burying your lead. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I did that after we recorded that. I I I told you, I feel like listeners are going to have some more questions yeah. and feel like maybe I didn't tell the actual story. <laughs> I know. I realized that when we ended, we had just dropped like this big announcement that was different in your life. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, you're going to want to go and pull it up. It's called Why Your Grocery Run Matters. And the grocery run part was supposed to just be sort of an aside, an intro into the big news. And then we realized talking about the grocery run and all the meaning we find in it became an entire episode. Mm -hmm. So then we buried the lead at the end. But now the lead can lead today. Okay. (laughs) So here's the story hidden in the story. So yeah, I shared news last week, which um, maybe some of you, maybe it didn't register seismically with everyone, (laughs) but I I had a feeling there were probably quite a few of you listening thinking, wait, what? You're doing what? And rightly sensed that there was more to say about that. So um, yeah, I shared last week that For the first time in many years of marriage, we are living near family, actually quite near. My husband's parents, my dear in-laws, moved in with us and are living with us now. And yes, you, you were right if you suspected that this is a very big deal and a very big story. And so, yeah, there's just, um, I, I guess today actually, I mean, there's no way I can 
even attempt to tell the whole story. Also, let's be honest, the story is unfolding. So, you know, I can't tell that part either. But what I can do is I can tell you the backstory. And I think the backstory is really good. So I'm eager to tell you the story before the story. And then who knows, I will most likely be sharing the story as it unfolds as well. But yes, we are um, no longer just our family of six, but we have added two new neighbors who happen to be my father-in-law and my mother-in-law. Actually, cool sort of side note, I always freak people out when I tell them that my um, mother-in-law once drove me home from school in the ninth grade. Have I ever told you that? No. Wait, was it ninth grade? No, no. Tenth grade. I'm fascinated yes. now because that's the grade Jackson is in right now. So now right. I'm so interested. Tenth grade. So um, here's the thing. When I was in ninth grade, the woman who is now my mother-in-law and has been my mother-in-law for 25 years was the um, ninth grade counselor for my school. No way. Yes. So I used to see her in the hallway. And then when I switched to sort of the upper campus, she also moved to the upper campus and became the French teacher there. Yes. So I would see her in the hallway standing outside her door. And then I became very good friends with her sons. Uh Right? (laughs) We were in a church youth group together, and I became friends with both of them. Um, Neither were in my grade. So her younger son was a grade below me, her older son, my husband, who was two grades above me. I became friends with both. Um, But my 10th grade year, Jonathan, who would have been a senior that year, we became closer friends and he had a car. And a few times he would drive, he would drop me off at home after school. Like he and his brother would be heading home and he would take me home. Um, And I think there must have been a day where he had agreed that was the plan. We were going to do this and something happened and he had to stay after or he couldn't do it. And um, I remember being slightly embarrassed, but also grateful I wasn't stuck at school, um, but his mom took me and Eric home, and she dropped me off. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so yeah, there I have a long history um, with wow. yeah with with his parents that even predates wow. me dating Jonathan or um, us getting married. Wait, so she's known you since you were sixteen? Were you sixteen then? She has known me since I was fourteen. Wow. Ninth grade. That is, mm-hmm. I mean, now I want to have a long conversation with her because that's yeah, a very right. unique thing. There's, you know, I look around at my son's friends now, like his 14 yeah. year old friends yeah. who are girls. And now I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, that's wild to imagine you could know your future daughter in law for that long. That's pretty special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's known me since I was 14. And actually, I, I sort of only realized as I opened ma- my mouth to share the backstory that there's actually this back backstory. I mean, that's a deeper story that um, I didn't even in- intend to get into today. I forget sometimes I think that that's a unique part of our story. I'm so used to that, that I don't even think about it anymore. But when it does come up in conversation, I think people rightly say, wow, <laughs> that's Wow, that's really interesting. So yeah, Jonathan's dad actually was um, the assistant superintendent of our whole school system. So he oh. was a he was um, basically the number two in charge of our our whole town city's school system. And so I didn't really know him, but I knew of him just being in the school. So yeah, there's this whole history. Um, but the backstory I actually want to tell you about is a little bit more uh, current in time. 
So we have shared on the podcast before the story of um, me and my family leaving Florida in search of a home, (laughs) uh, an epic quest for our forever home. (laughs) But that led us here to Maplehurst. And when we were making that move, or really, I should say, when we were dreaming of making that move before it even became a reality, we were looking for a property where we imagined maybe our parents in the future, we didn't know who, which ones, my parents or John's parents, but we we wondered if we could find a property where maybe they could join us one day or live with us. And Lisa Joe, I, I cannot tell you why that is. Hmm. I don't know where that idea came from. It wasn't something we'd ever, as far as I remember, talked about with our parents. Um, there wasn't some precipitating crisis, like a health crisis that would make us think like, oh my goodness, we need... You know, we're moving again, far from family, but we need to find a way to be closer. I don't, I honestly cannot recall where that nudge came from. Um, But clearly it was, it was real and it mattered and it was important. At the time we weren't sure, but you know, we just had this idea. And so we started looking for um, old houses that had some land and a lot of bedrooms the way old houses do in part because we wondered if maybe we would have some sort of multi-generational living. And so we looked at we at the realtor who was showing us around Pennsylvania. We specifically said, you know, this is one thing we're interested in. And so she showed us a couple of properties that had really specific, they called them in the real estate jargon, mother-in-law suites. Mm. I don't think I knew this at all about I did not know that this was something I, I know. I remember you've always talked about wanting a home that has extra space or room so that if there was someone who wanted to stay with you or if you wanted to take in a writer, but I didn't know that it had been a multi-generational idea too. That's so interesting to discover. And Lisa Joe, I think it, I think there's a reason you didn't know it. And I think there's a reason I've probably never talked about it on the podcast. I, I'm sure I haven't. If you didn't know, I haven't talked about it with you. And I think the reason is, is that, Pretty soon after arriving, and especially when we chose Maplehurst, which didn't actually have a mother-in-law suite, like some we had looked at, (laughs) I kind of skipped over that, we decided that wasn't, I don't want to say we gave up, but it just seemed like that was an idea that wasn't going anywhere. And so it just dropped out. I mean, I remembered it, but it was no longer a priority. It was no longer something I felt sure was going to happen. It just, we turned our attention to other things. Hmm. So... It's no wonder that I hadn't mentioned it because I didn't actually think it was a real thing. Um, But looking back now, I can say it was a real thing and it prompted us to look at properties with finished barns or finished basements or like separate apartments. Um, And so we looked at a few properties like that, but none of them were quite right. And in the end, we went with Maplehurst, which only had a falling down red shed. (laughs) A danger zone, a (laughs) hazard to our children's health. I think as well, soon after moving here, we did have some conversations finally, um, especially with John's parents about the future. And I, I know at that time, at least in my memory, we, we brought up this idea, you know, would you ever want to move to Pennsylvania, be near us? And again, in my memory, it, it wasn't something they really lep- leapt on. It wasn't, I can say now, I think just because the timing wasn't right. Um, but at the time, I... I think we felt like, oh, they're not necessarily interested in that. They've always lived in Texas. That's their home. And John's brother is there. And there are many good reasons for them to stay. And so we really just 
Again, I don't want to say we gave up. It just seemed like, oh, okay, that's not going to happen. Move on. We kept living as one does. And so now to have arrived at this moment where actually the, the, the seed of the idea that was there nine years ago, really 10 years ago, if you count kind of our dreaming phase. So 10 years ago, a decade ago, I feel like this is how I'm thinking about it. So I'm a gardener. Sometimes I plant things, seeds or seedlings, and then I lose track of them and I can't find them and I'm pretty (laughs) sure they've died or gone away, right? Right. (laughs) Because this happens. And I think, oh, darn, what happened to that? Well, I guess it didn't make it. And then sometimes, sometimes months later, sometimes a year or two later, because some things take a while to establish and show themselves, that thing will pop up. Hmm. And I'll say, oh my goodness, it did make it. There it is. Mm. I had given up. And look at you. You're like grown. Here you are in the garden. So that's how I feel about this, that there was this seed of an idea. We talked about it. We prayed about it. We tried to make it happen. It wasn't. We let it go. It was gone. I didn't think too much about it except as a memory. And then boom, so quickly this year, here is the seed we planted fully grown. And as I sit here with you and record this, um, my in-laws are just, you know, not that far away. So here we are. It, it, it was a seed we planted that clearly God watered, God caused to grow. And when the time was right, it, it's, um, you know, it, it has, uh, and now I'm going to get really cheesy, it, cheesy gardening metaphor. It has blossomed in our lives, <laughs> but it has, it has. <laughs> Oh, that's so meaningful to think about how there are things we plant and hope for and then give up hoping for and then they happen. And it's encouraging to me because as someone who lives very far away from her family in South Africa, one of the things that hasn't realized for us yet is this hope I have that my family will come visit us here in our home in America. And for years, my father came back and forth when I was in college here, when I was in law school here. He's been many, many, many times to the States. But they haven't visited us here in several years now, and especially not in the first home that we own where we live here. And so it's one of those things we we like to talk about back and forth, my dad and I. And I recognize, you know, they're battling an exchange rate that makes travel so much different. I couldn't believe it. We looked it up the other night. The last time I was home, it was 10 to 1. So the, you know, 1 US dollar would equal 10 South African rand. It is currently almost 15 to 1, which just Mm. is so difficult when it comes to the idea of travel or buying international tickets. But it was interesting. And then when COVID happened, that actually that summer was a summer my dad and I had talked about them coming maybe. And I've talked to you about, wouldn't it be fun to host something at the barn and my dad could meet all these people in our lives. But he recently said to me what that he's thinking, he's holding on to the hope to come for my 50th birthday, mm. which had two very different reactions for me, Christy. On the one <laughs> hand, I was very excited at the thought of it. I think I messaged you right away and I was like, hey, can we hold the barn for some time in that year? Uh-huh. It was so fun to host this big party and to invite all kinds of local friends to come. But my second reaction was really one of like shock at the thought that I will be 50. <laughs> like, how is that possible? I'm really struggling to process that in ways I didn't expect. 
And I've thought about your in-laws quite a bit too, because it's that has to be a huge shift in how you view yourself for all these years. You've lived in one place. You've kind of been the king of your kingdom. And now you're moving into the kingdom of your children and you are going to join it and care with it and be together. And yet, like my brain immediately, I wasn't viewing that through the lens of the kids anymore, but really viewing it through the lens of the parents and how different that is and how this is something I have to anticipate. And I immediately thought, what great kids John and Christy are and which of my children will take me <laughs> in as you know, co-share in whatever they're doing. And I immediately thought it has to be Micah because I'm sure you'll have a farm in Michigan. This is what he aspires <laughs> Room for to. You. <laughs> <laughs> and we can build a cottage on their farm. But it is strange how our brains start to think in these very different ways when it comes to our stories. And I love that your parents, that this has been a story they've continued to pursue too. Yeah, I, I really think, I think, it, yeah, it would be easy to hear the story and think, wow, aren't John and Christy great opening up their home? And I, it, no, I, <laughs> that is just not how it strikes me at all. Um, I think like you, growing in the middle age, I, even though I am in this story, I am putting myself in the parent perspective as well and thinking, wow, how generous of them to say yes, how generous of them to receive, how brave and courageous of them to leave their home of their lifetime together, their whole marriage, and to sell the house that they built together and to, to get rid of so many of their belongings and simplify and pack things up and make this huge cross-country move as older people. Yeah, I'm I'm just in awe of, of them. And, and then so grateful to even consider what we will receive and especially what my kids will receive to have grandparents nearby and knowing that what we'll receive is the good and the hard, and that that's actually what makes it a blessing, is that it won't be like happy times all the time, that we'll be near to them when when they're sick. They'll be near to us when we're sick or not at our best, and, and that that's, that's the whole package, and that's why it's such a blessing. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just in awe, really, of, of what they're doing and what they have bravely said yes to. That's how it feels to me. But I've also been remembering, so here's another little part of the story. So again, nine years ago, uh, when we were preparing to move to Pennsylvania, and it all happened very quickly. I've shared that story before that it um, it was very, very fast because I was very, very pregnant <laughs> with Elsa. And I was just determined. I was so determined, Lisa Joe, that she would not be born in Florida. Mm. And I didn't know where she would be born. I just was determined that it wouldn't be Florida. And it nothing against Florida. It was just that it was not home. And it was it almost felt like it was the opposite of home. It was a wilderness. It was for me, and, and by wilderness, I don't even mean terrible place. It was a sustaining place. It was a place of rest. It was a place with its own really good gifts, um, including I can think of my friend Courtney, who's still a dear friend today. I met her there. I mean, good gifts. But it was a passing through place. It was it was this interim between the home we'd had in Chicago and the home we longed to make. And it was not a place where we could settle or put down roots. And that was painful. And we knew, we hoped, we prayed there would be a place where we could do that. So I just, it was more like me thinking, I don't want to have my baby in the wilderness. I don't want wilderness to be her home. Wow. I think that's the first time I've really like said that out loud. <laughs> that's what it was. I didn't want wilderness to be her home. I wanted her to have a real home. 
but I didn't know where we were headed. We knew uh, if we were going to move, it would be Jonathan's company transferring him or something. And they kept saying they would have, they wanted to move him, but they kept delaying telling us when or where. So it all happened very fast. But then when it finally happened, well, it happened fast. And just before we left, just John and I to fly up here very quickly for a weekend to look for a place to live, which again, at this point, I'm very pregnant and we have to find a place right away if if we're going to be able to make this move before the baby comes. And my friend, Melissa, and she told me then, and she would tell you now, I'm, I don't have weird dreams. I don't even have dreams. This is what she would say. I am not a dreamer person. <laughs> but she had this dream before we came up here, and she, she called to tell me about it. And um, with that preface of like, oh, Christy, take this with a grain of salt. I don't know. I had this weird dream. I don't normally have dreams, but I'm going to share it. And, and she shared a dream in which she and her husband came to visit us at our new home in Pennsylvania. And she told me a couple things about this home that she had visited in her dream. She said it had a very long driveway. Uh-uh. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard yes, this story. Yes. It had a very long driveway. Um, and there were a few other things that were very meaningful. I think I've even written about some of those in, in Placemaker. But something else she said that I haven't talked about because it seemed like a detail of the dream that didn't, wasn't, didn't mean anything, you know? She in the dream she said, Yeah, we're walking around your home and it had this property and it had little cottages on it. <laughs> she said that little cottages. And um, at the time I just thought, okay, great. <laughs> and then we found Maplehurst and it didn't have little cottages. It did have a very long driveway. But I'd always remembered it. Again, didn't think anything of it. Again, like like the seed of something, right? That it ha- it hasn't reached its fulfillment yet. And so just recently with John's parents, we've we've begun this planning of of them hopefully building a little cottage mm. on our property. Mm. And we were in the middle of that for quite a while before I remembered, oh my goodness, Melissa had that dream and she saw little cottages. <laughs> and now I'm thinking and praying, oh, I hope one of those is this cottage for for my in-laws. So this this is <laughs> this is what I'm meditating on. This sense that that God, our God, I've just learned this. I've seen this again and again. God doesn't, I, he's, he's too creative and too amazing to leave a lot of dangling loose ends. He's a writer. He's an author, a creator, an artist. He's just too good at what he does. He doesn't leave meaningless loose ends. It's like, you know, have you ever read a novel where there, or watched a movie where there's some plot points that are clearly meaningful, but then they never really tie yes, those so up. They're annoying. like loose threads, right? God doesn't do that. Now, sometimes I think maybe there are there are dreams that die or things that he works out that don't look like we expected. Absolutely. But more and more I'm experiencing that things that were planted in me long ago, whether that is to teach or to live in a home with my in-laws, that those things were actually planted. And that even though I looked at the soil all these years and said, uh, I guess not. That, you know, that that wasn't a real thing. It wasn't really planted or that seed died. Continuously, I have been surprised that God is just, I want to say, better than that hmm. and gives better gifts than that. And so this to me feels like, like a thread that I no longer even counted. I had long ago in my mind snipped it off of the cloth 
right, of the fabric of our story. And yet here we are, God has woven it in in this really beautiful, meaningful way that that I didn't expect, that I wasn't even asking for. But when it began to reveal itself, then yes, John and I had no hesitation um, in just saying, yes, yes, we received this. This is beautiful. You prepared us to say yes long ago. And and so now we're ready. And I, I guess I just love remembering that he doesn't, God doesn't, he doesn't start telling stories and then forget to finish them. You know, he doesn't even plant dreams and desires in our hearts and then just discount them. Again, they may be fulfilled in ways we don't expect, but I really think they will be fulfilled in this life or the next. And and that I'm just grateful. I'm just actually kind of shocked and in awe that it keeps happening. And here it's happened again. Wow. Well, this is a new moment where Lisa Joe is at an actual loss for words. I, <laughs> I have nothing to add to that. It's uh, It was like, I mean, I heard this for the first time along with our listeners. That is incredibly powerful. And I think what I took from it is encouragement. But But I really mean how the word courage is buried mm, in the word yeah. encouragement, because I think for a lot of us, it takes courage to know that the parts of your story that feel like they have a lot of dangly parts, yeah. that someone is modeling or showing, going ahead saying, wow, I thought that was gone for me too. But look how God is actually completing the story. And I know, and you know, one of my biggest sources of pain is having left South Africa as a young person without ever thinking how I was impacting the rest of my life. And I, my kids actually talk to me a lot about this, like, where would you rather be? Would you would you wish you had stayed? And it's an impossible conundrum because essentially it's saying, would you like to erase us, you know, the yeah. children and the husband yeah. and the life I have? But if there was a world in which I could smush both of those together, you know, mm-hmm. because it's not even like I wish Pete was South African and my kids grew up there because then I would miss out on his American family and everything I've learned here. And it is a constant source of pain. It's always there. It's the thread that I can't cut off, even though I wish I could, and I don't understand how to resolve it. It's definitely dangly, but I think you gave me a new kind of courage to think about that. And and maybe what you really gave was hope, you know, to anticipate what God does with that, that what a wonderful thought that God writes good stories. He understands as an author what it means to finally connect all the plot points. And I'm just, today, I'm just grateful to receive that from you, just to receive that story and that hope today. I'm glad, Lisa Joe. <laughs> this was a tearful one. I didn't expect that. <laughs> no, I know, but good, the good kind of tears. I'm so looking forward to sitting there and meeting your in-laws in this fresh way. I know, I can't wait. 